It's the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder. Hey, today on the podcast, we have part four in our series, Life Connected, where we're looking at our kind of foundational beliefs and our philosophy of ministry. Today, we turn our attention to the mission of the church. What does it mean to be the church? What's the point of it all? What are we trying to do? So, good stuff here. Thank everybody that came out for our worship night on Friday. It was an awesome time. We'll continue with our Relate course this Wednesday night for all of our couples. More stuff on the web at northshorevenue.org. Check it out. But now let's head to the talk. Thanks for listening. Can't stop it. It's coming to a town near you. It used to be called contemporary. Some call it relevant. We're so cool, we call it contempervent. Young, hip guy welcoming all with graffiti and cool glasses. I welcome everybody with arms wide open, revealing my tattoo so you know I have a past. Quirky transition to band. Invite everyone to stand. Let's do it. This is the song that everyone knows. It's the song that everyone knows. My new song that nobody knows, nobody knows this song. I want you to learn this song and buy my record in the bookstore after the service. I just want to invite the ushers up as we prepare for our offering. Hmm. Feel free to give if you feel led. It's between you and God, but we're tracking it. One man has all the answers. I have all the answers. Showing a picture of a puppy and or a baby from an impoverished third world nation speaking softly to draw you in and then emphatically driving home my point on pause whispering repetition still pausing pained expression long prayer so that the worship leader can get back on stage this is the closing song with strings that'll make you cry coming soon to your town a new kind of church you will be lifted high and challenged to grow we call that grotivation you call this sunday morning
Hello? Hello? All right. I'm right here. One man has all the answers. And it ain't me. But uh, <laughs> well, that was actually, um, I don't know if any of y'all are familiar with Andy Stanley. Uh, he, he's got a very large church out in uh, Atlanta, Atlantaville. And um, man, i am I'm got my wires all crossed here. Uh, that was, his church is like 20, 25,000 people. So his media department, uh, they got together to just make a satire of their own uh, weekend services. And it's kind of funny, but then it's kind of cringe factor a bit because uh, it, it kind of hits on the way that, that many churches have, have kind of ended up uh, in the modern age. It, it's, it's very slick production. Uh, uh, it, it, it looks like marketing. It's kind of, you know, figuring out what everybody wants. And, and, and so, you know, last week I've, I've been going through this series talking about some of our our core values of this church. And last week I talked about how one of our big values is connecting with the culture. And in, in one respect, i got to turn this off because it's buzzing. Uh, in one respect, uh, you could say that that, that kind of video is, is a, a, a prime example of a church trying to connect with the culture. You figure out what does the culture want and, and you do that. But on the other side, it kind of comes across as a little bit disingenuous, doesn't it? Anybody with me? Uh, <laughs> uh, I, you know, back in the early 90s, there was a, 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 the birth of kind of what they call the seeker church movement. Uh, and if any of y'all were in church back in the 90s, you, you might have bumped into this. Uh, it, it certainly gave rise to a lot of the megachurches you see in the United States today. But, but basically, there was a church called Willow Creek up in, in Chicago. And, and they, they came to the conclusion that the church had so separated itself from the surrounding culture that there was nobody from the outside coming in. And if outsiders came in, they, they felt like they had to learn a new language. They felt very, uh, you know, it's it just a lot of stuff to get over culturally. And so Willow Creek, looking at that, said, let's try to do church in a way that's more friendly to outsiders. And, and so I think the motive was great. So they started using you know, music that was a lot closer to the stuff you'd hear on the radio. They'd incorporate dramas and all kinds of uh, high-tech bells and whistles. And it worked. It worked fabulously. Willow Creek grew to, a, to be, you know, back in the early 90s, I think it was like the original mega church. It was like 28,000 people going there. Uh, crazy. It's, it's like the size of Covington and Mandeville. It'd be like all of us, <laughs> everyone on the North Shore going to the same church. But, but the downside is that, uh, you know, Willow Creek, Willow Creek about six years ago, they they realized that even though they had attracted thousands of people, the impact was kind of a mile wide and an inch deep. They had a very broad impact. They had no problem getting folks into the church, but they actually commissioned a study about six years ago to Willow Creek did this, and i got to give it to Bill Hybels, their pastor, that, that a church would even ask these questions. When you're successful in the eyes of most people in the, in, in the Christian uh, church world, but they began to ask questions. Is what we're doing really making much of an impact in the lives of the people that show up? And what they found after getting you know, sociologists and demographers, people to study the congregation for about a year, they realized that while they could attract people by the thousands there, most of the people that were showing up had qualitatively little difference in their life than people outside the church. And so Willow Creek has actually been in this place for the last couple of years of, of trying to turn the tide a bit and, and, how, and, and asking the questions. How can we actually 
make disciples, help people to actually look more like Jesus instead of just attending a service. So I, I would say this, that while we are very much into, last week if you weren't here for the message, uh, I, I talked about how we want to be a church that's engaged with the culture. That's part of why we chose downtown Covington instead of a, you know, being right off the interstate or in a strip mall or something. We wanted to be in a place where people actually go and people come to downtown Covington. When we had our worship night here on Friday night, had a lot of people just kind of walking in off the streets and joining us. And I, I love that. I love that you know, we're in a place like that. If we were in a little strip mall tucked away by the interstate, that probably wouldn't happen. Nobody would happen on it by accident. (laughs) But we want to be a church that is engaged with the surrounding culture. We use cultural things from our culture to communicate. Sometimes, you know, you're you're, you're likely to hear in here, you know, a song by Johnny Cash or U2 or, uh, you know, we, we... pull out songs that people are familiar with outside the church. Sometimes we use video clips, and I'm all for that. Peace on Earth by U2. We did that back at Christmas time. It seems like every time I try to do a U2 song, my voice goes out. So uh, I've got all these like really raspy versions of U2 songs that we've done here. We're doing a collection of them. But I would say this, that, that cultural relevance divorced from mission just leads to consumerism. And a very self-centered and shallow spirituality. And one of the problems that, and I, I've worked at a, a large church before and got friends who are in churches of multiple thousands of people. But one of the problems that a lot of churches of thousands of people have is uh, they, they get really good at the production aspect. But it's very hard to move beyond that. They've, they've maintained cultural relevance, but sometimes it's so easy to, to get distracted from the mission, and I think that, that that's a temptation even to us here. So, one of the questions I've had to answer, you know, I, I've mentioned this before, but I think I'm the last person that I would have expected to pastor a church. I really am. I, I mean, 12 years ago, I had I had had enough of church. I was done. I'd, I'd done the church thing, and I was just to me, it seemed like church was either boring or it hurt people. <laughs> Anybody experienced that before? It seemed like church was either just kind of boring, like you just had to make yourself go, and like, oh, do I have to sit through this again? Or it was just like, if you go there, it's going to make your life worse. <laughs> and I'd had enough of that, and I actually, I was done. I was kind of flirting with the whole just doing a house church or something, you know, and I had friends, we'd get together and hang out at the house on a Sunday morning and eat breakfast. I, I, did, uh, I did realize, though, that you can have a dysfunctional small group of bitter people at a home, and, uh, <laughs> and I realized that's no fun either. <laughs> but I really, the fact that I would ever plant and pastor a church is, is really quite a miracle from God. Because I had to wrestle with the whole question of what is even the point of church? I mean, why do we do what we do here? Why, why are we here? Because if I couldn't answer that question for myself, then I don't expect that any of you are going to be able to answer that or, or that I can convey that to you. But I would say this. You know, most of our culture, the, the, the paradigm that people think under is the point of church is to get more people to show up on a Sunday morning, get bigger buildings, have more programs, Right? If I go to most pastors' conferences I go to, the question that, that pastors ask you after, you know, what your name is and where you're located is, how many people show up on Sunday morning? As if that's the, the, the sole criteria for success. And, and I would say that, you know, 
if, if people don't show up, sometimes that, that, could, that can mean that maybe <laughs> there's a problem. <laughs> but what is the point of, of doing what we do? Well, I think probably the best definition that I can come up with is that the church is the people gathered around and engaged in the mission of God. That's the, that, that should be the one thing that unites us because if you're a church that's just a good community and you don't have that, you're just going to become a, a closed-off subculture where nobody else wants to come. If you're a church that just wants to be culturally relevant and you don't have mission, then you're just going to become a, a church that, that makes it all about consuming a religious product. But if we gather around the mission of Jesus to set things right in this world, then uh, that, that, that's something I can get on board with. And I think that's probably one of the best ways to think of church. You know, one, one term we, we throw around here a lot goes all the way back to the beginning of the gospel story. A lot of people don't realize that the gospel story starts in the Old Testament. It starts in Genesis chapter 12. The world has, has come under the power of sin and God, uh, who is relational at his core, initiates a plan that is relational. He comes up to a guy named Abram. And this is what he says in Genesis 12, verse 1. God told Abram, leave your country, your family, your father's home for a land that I will show you. So God's call to Abraham starts off with, I want you to follow me to a place that you don't know. (laughs) We don't usually start with evangelism there. Like, follow God, uh, I can't promise you anything. Uh, then, then, Then he goes on to the next spot. He says... And I will, uh, I will make you a great nation and bless you. I will make you famous and you'll be a blessing. Now, a lot of the church stops right there. Who doesn't want to be blessed, right? And famous and great. I want the blessed, famous, great package, God, right? And there's a lot of pastors, a lot of churches that that's where they stop. God wants to make you blessed and famous, and great. Glory to God. Just send your check in. <laughs> it doesn't work without that part. But uh, yeah, a lot of people, that there's this, this kind of idea that feeds into our own egos, our own consumerism. God wants, he, he just exists for you to be blessed and great. And he wants to make you famous and you make all your problems go away. You follow him, you'll have uh, a better family. You'll be rich and powerful, whiter teeth, fresh breath. It's great. But that's not where this ends. This is actually the first uh, preaching of the gospel that you see in the New Testament. He says, I'll make you famous. You'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and those who curse you. I'll curse. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. In other words, God comes up to Abraham. He says, I am inviting you, Abraham, to follow me into something you've got no idea about, but in the process, I'm going to bless you. But, but lest you get a swelled head, Abraham, and think that I just chose you because you're so awesome, I want you to know what I'm going to do in you is actually for the blessing of the whole world. God doesn't offer you salvation just so you can say, I'm in the club, I got my ticket punched. I get to go to, I I got the right answer for St. Peter when I die. That's not the point of the the Christian life. God 
When He blesses you with salvation, when He blesses you with love, when He blesses you with joy, when He blesses you materially, financially, when He blesses you with good relationships, that's not just for you to sit there and go, man, I'm blessed. we got a bless me club here. We're just so blessed. Your blessings were meant for the furthering of God's plan to set the world right and reconcile humanity to Jesus. You were blessed to be a blessing. One thing I've said here since we started this church is you were not the point, but a point. Everything Jesus did, you know, I, I, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. When I first started coming to church, everything was preached about God wants you to have a personal relationship. And, and God does want you to have a personal relationship. But everything was so personalized, I just thought it was me and God. And really, it's not. I am not the point of everything that Jesus did. I'm a point. I'm part of what he's doing. But God doesn't want to just bless me. He wants to bless through me. So that all the nations of the world will come to know how awesome Jesus is. And they'll be reconciled to him. Matthew four eighteen through 20, Jesus' invitation to the disciples was, was kind of like Abram's. Abraham's. Jesus, walking along the beach of, of Lake Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon later called Peter, and Andrew. They were fishing, throwing their nets into the lake. It was their regular work, and Jesus said to them, Come with me, Come with me. I'll, make you a, I'll make new kind of fishermen out of you. I'll show you how to catch men and women instead of perch and bass. They didn't ask questions, but simply dropped their nets and followed. When Jesus comes to Peter and invites him into ministry, he doesn't say, Peter, follow me and people are going to like you. Peter, follow me, and you're going to have a huge house and an awesome camel that everybody's going to be jealous of, that you're going to ride around on. Follow me, and, and everything is just going to be amazing. All the blessings I'm going to give you. No, he said, follow me. He doesn't tell him where he's going. And he says, I want to invite you into the mission of what I'm doing, which is catching people. You think catching fish is fun? Wait till you walk alongside me and are involved with me reconciling people unto myself. That's hot stuff. And Peter and his brother, they dropped down their nets and they started following after Jesus. Too often, I think church becomes you, you, you show up, you pray a prayer, you hang out, you sit there, and you just, we just want you to come week after week. But I, I don't care how amazing a church is. If that's all you're doing, it's, it's a bummer after a while. It just gets old and boring. But, but stepping into the purposes of Jesus becomes a wild adventure. Because now, when you're walking around your life, you're, you're, not just, you're not just being selfishly motivated, always looking out for what you can get. You're trying to pay attention to what God's doing in the lives of other people. You're listening for God when you're listening to other people. And when God is up to something, you join alongside God. And you get to be a part of it. How cool is that? It's It's cool. It's cool. That, <laughs> it's real cool. John 3.16. This is how much God loved the world. He gave His Son, His one and only Son. And this is why. So that no one need be destroyed. By believing in Him, anyone can have whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending His Son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help. To put the world right again. 
You know, one of the reasons that we gather around the mission of God here is because Jesus, God is ascending God. God sends his own son into the world. Jesus gathers disciples and then he sends them into the world. And, and church is about mission. It's about activity. It's about seeing things put right, seeing God's kingdom come, his will be done. What does that look like? Well, you know, Josh mentioned our sin night that we're having up here uh, in, in uh, March. Our service in March 11th, right? March 4th? Is that what it says? Oh, yeah, we're having that meeting. That's the planning meeting. The actual thing starts uh, March 11th. Hell, it confused me. I'm confused enough without your help. Thank you. Um, but one of the reasons we're doing service industry night, it's about the mission of Jesus. We, we, we feel like we want to be a church that loves people in the service industry who can't show up to church on the weekend. That's part of our intentions. We want to be Jesus to these people. We're inviting them to our house, and we're going to serve them. We're going to feed them. We're going to sit down and have a conversation, and hopefully these people can, can encounter Jesus. And hopefully, because of that, they can experience what true life is like. That's part of the mission of God. But it doesn't just end with that kind of stuff. You know, in, a, uh, in the season of Lent, we're going to be doing a, a, a bag hunger outreach. We've done these a few times, and a lot of you have participated on this. Bag hunger is where we go into a lot of subdivisions. I think last time we passed out about 1,200 bags in the community. We leave a bag on somebody's doorstep, and it says, you know, we're going to be back to pick this bag up next week. Leave, it, leave some food in it next week. We, we ask for food, uh, certain kinds of food that the food bank needs. And then we bring... Uh, all this food to the, to the Covington Food Bank. And we've done this kind of outreach a few times since we've started the church, and we've, we've literally brought tons of food over there for the hungry in our community. That's, that's doing the work of Jesus. That's the mission of Jesus. God is not about, like, you know, poor people deserve to be poor, and if they just pull themselves up by the bootstraps and just start, you know, they got the choice, they live in America, they can make something. God's not like that. God blesses everyone. He blesses everyone. Jesus said it this way. He said, God causes his rain, rain to, to rain on those who deserve it and those who don't deserve it. We can see all throughout the New Testament, Paul, when, when he's preaching the good news, he says, remember the poor. The, the apostles in, in, in Acts, they say, remember the poor. They took some of the first programs the church came up with were taking care of Widows, those who couldn't provide for themselves and feeding them. That's good work. See, there's this, this idea, and I've seen this floated around a lot in this last year, that um, a, a, lot of, a lot of people say that, that social justice is, is of the devil. Like churches that do social justice run away from them. That's bad. You know, it's bad to, to do things to, to help out your community. And that's, that's nowhere in the New Testament. I think the best moments of the church throughout history have been when the church gets out of the walls and goes and helps people that need help, whether they're hungry, whether they're single moms, whether they're abused, whether they're the fatherless. We've got a lady here, Connie, who is the house mom for the Danielle Inn. And their whole thing is helping women who, who are, are pregnant, single, and, and, and in a, a horribly difficult place in life but to provide them what they need. That's, that's the good news. 
Now, has the church missed it and sometimes got too off into social justice? Absolutely. Some people have become so earthly-minded that they're no heavenly good. But I think most evangelical churches in America have the problem of becoming too heavenly-minded that we're no earthly good. If, if anything, oftentimes we're condescending, looking down our noses at those who don't have it as good. I, I, I strongly believe that part of the mission of God, while it, it includes proclamation and sharing Jesus with people, I think in this country, most people have heard the gospel. Most people have heard John 3.16. You just got to watch a football game and see somebody hold it up, you know? Or Tim Tebow, right? <laughs> people have heard the good news, but they've not seen the good news. And until what we say actually matches what we are, people don't care. People don't care how much you say God loves them. God loves you unconditionally if you're not willing to love people unconditionally. It's getting awful quiet up in here. People don't care what you say about God until they see evidence of that in your life. And I think that this has everything to do with the mission of God. I think that the church should be people who proclaim the truth of Jesus. We should do that with creativity, like I said last week. We should come up with cool ways to say it, uh, innovative things. But at the end of the day, we, we should also be loving those who don't have as much. We should be looking for ways to improve the world around here. Does that mean that we can... Make everything better just ourselves? No. It's the work of God. God does it. We are just partnering with Him in it. We're just trying to pay attention to what He's doing. I just ask you to consider, you know, I, I said this a few weeks ago, that this is our kind of what we call our membership series here at uh, North Shore Vineyard since uh, we've been here for three years and we never came up with any way to be a, become a member at this church. And, and I said, I, I really hate the idea of membership because it just seems like, eh, it kind of seems like a club or something. kind of seems like a formality. So all I'm asking is that you consider if, if this kind of approach to Christianity resonates with you, if you're tired of boring religion or religion that just kind of hurts people and you want to get about the work of loving people outside the church, consider joining us in this journey for this next year. As, I, as I've been saying the last few weeks, we're not asking you to commit for the rest of your life. Just, just commit for a year to say, I believe in these things and I want to be a part of a community that's doing these things. And we're going to... We're going to get creative with ways to do that. I love it when people come up to me with ideas, ways to touch the community. I've got people in the community coming up to me. I just talked to a, a guy at a retirement home, nursing home. He's just, oh, man, it would be great if we could get some people from your church to come out there and do some things. I was like, what kind of things? I don't know, but we got an open invitation. People asking us. Whether it's that, whether it's praying with sick people in the hospital whether it's mentoring an a at-risk child in a public school or doing big brothers and big sisters, I think the church should be all over that stuff. And so I just ask you to prayerfully consider, what is God doing in your heart that involves people outside the church who, who may not have it as good as you have it? I just want to invite the band up here. And we're going to close by, by singing this song one more time that we sang in worship, but I just want it to be really our, our prayer this morning. That God would form His heart in us. 
I love this verse. Move us, lead us, send us, release us to the broken, to the hungry, to the outcast, to the weary. That sums up the mission of God. So ask God what He's doing in your heart this morning along those lines.